Hello and welcome to Chatterkey Podcast, where we break down and review a movie of my choosing, and you know, just try to have a bit of fun as we go along. I'm your host, Drinking Thomas Hughes. <laughs> uh, hi, Michael Bay is um, apparently firing us now because we called him a Nazi. Fuck. So uh, sorry, I couldn't help it. I thought it'd be funny. That it turns out, you know, apparently, if you haven't got Megan Fox's body, you didn't give a shit what you say. We screwed yeah. up very early, didn't we? <laughs> Yeah, we did. Today we're discussing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, released in 2016. Uh, the movie plot follows on one year after the previous movie's ending, but, you know, loses a lot of the feel, so, you know, that, that darkness, the grittiness, uh, more in favour of the uh, Disney Star Wars approach, which is just stuff as much mem- as many member berries down your throat as you possibly can. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, let's just say, the best way to describe it is that it's a lot more generic. And nostalgic. Yeah, choices of stuff, and all the sci-fi like stuff just comes out of nowhere. Like it's a bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit off-putting. But well, like like the first one, as long as you just make sure that you shoot, you, you, sh- like, you shoot your mind down, you're fine. Yeah, you forget that none of it makes sense, yeah. and then you're able to somewhat enjoy it. Basically, yes. Mm. Um, yeah. The movie this time was directed by Dave Green in only his second major release following Earth to Echo only two years before this release and he's next doing some film about Wiley Coyote apparently uh, according mm. to IMDB which also states he was some sort of assistant and uh, production assistant on the second or third of Raimi's Spider-Man movies. Wait, what? Yeah, it was, <laughs> like, a, it was like a production assistant on the second one and a assistant or something on the third one. Uh-uh. So yeah, wow. he's involved some way or another in those movies, even if it's just a minor involvement. Yeah, but I think it'd be funny if we get uh, Tobey Maguire to start doing some cool like dancing, <laughs> and that's that's all the intro- that's all the added. <laughs> that <laughs> Mikey just starts doing it out of nowhere. Mm. <laughs> that would that would have been a fun little reference. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> he has the emo haircut as well. <laughs> Out of nowhere, he just grows hair. Or, like, he, he, it makes the mask look like it. All that. All that would work. Mm. Um, okay, let's uh, delve straight into this. Um, I, I, obviously, I really enjoyed the first one, as we stayed, I stayed last week. I very much enjoyed mm. it. I like the dark feel of it. I like the the approach they went with it. They went, obviously, more Transformers mm. approach, like, you know, upping the ante, making it as, quite gritty for something that's based on a kid's uh, show. But obviously, this one goes more for that approach of it's obviously make this a bit more of a slightly a kiddie movie. Though obviously, it still has some of the grittiness at times. Uh, it's not like all over the film. It goes for a more like a light approach essentially. Because if you think about it, a lot of the first film was in dark. Obviously, there's a few. Obviously, it was mainly towards the end where it went light. Whereas this film, a lot of it takes place during the daytime, which obviously ha- uh, shows how good the CGI is uh, when it's on screen. Because, you know, Darkness is CGI's best friend, but mm. something just dropped. Um, but uh, obviously with this, there's not much darkness to hide said CGI. Though there is, in part. A lot of film, as I say, mm. is daytime. So it's like, okay, make good CGI or else it's going to look crap. And again, they keep the same CGI. It's spot on, pretty much. One thing to like give the film credit for is the CGI and their designs of the actual turtles. Are fucking amazing. It's like it's, nice. This time as well, obviously, it's not just obviously four characters got CGI. They got CGI, uh, seven characters all together, really. Well, eight if you can't splinter. So obviously you got uh, now you got Beat Bop and Rocksteady in it, and you've also got the Crank. Obviously, three pinnacle parts of the old animated show from like the, the you know the major the first like classic ones, which is obviously the approach because which is why they're probably in this because they're like okay, let's just try to be nostalgic and bring them into the, these. No, I'm not complaining because I've always wanted to see Bebop Rocksteady live action ever since they did the weird thing with uh, I can't remember what they're called in the, basically the, the old Turtles movies the live, uh, the weird the normal suit ones mm-hmm. uh, in the second film there's two characters that are basically like Bebop and Rocksteady but they weren't these animals or like a snapping turtle and something else I can't remember what they were called exactly because it's been a long time since I watched it but basically it had that feel and they're both idiots even though they didn't mm-hmm. really speak as much they just like mumbled stuff every now and again. So basically, they clearly went, okay, 
let's ignore that aspect and make them actually here now. Which I like because I really enjoy Bebop and Rocksteady Rocksta- in this film. Which is probably because the actors did really well as them. They brought that yeah. goofiness. Uh, obviously, Gary Anthony Williams, who did Bebop, brought uh, Bebop's like, charm out. It's a bit more than... Uh, well, a bit more only wasn't obviously um, the old animation one because he's a bit dumber in that. Whereas this one, he's not as dumb. He's got he's, he's a bit he's a bit smarter than Rocksteady. Rocksteady is essentially the dumb one in this one, which yeah. I'm pretty certain they both were straight up dumb in the old ones. It's been a long time since I watched the cartoons, but obviously in this one, Rocksteady's more dumber than Bebop, even though Rocksteady and obviously he's the more he's essentially he's a bit, a bit like he's on the ste- steroids. He's a uh, buffed up as fuck, but he's he's just not there. Basically, there's not too many uh, bats in that belfry. It's a bit like. Um... Muscly versions of the Chuckle Brothers. Basically, yeah. I mean, one, that's probably the best way of explaining this. One is, all, all, both of them are still dumb, but one of them's not as dumb. Yeah. Basically. Mm. Exactly. Pretty much it. Uh, I, li- I like with them as well, obviously, the whole. Uh, they explain why Bebop's got his fucking. Uh, his hawk, his mohawk, because obviously he had it when he was human. Which I like the fact that it it stayed on him when he turned. Because obviously Rocksteady, all his hair just went. That ginger flow just went. But uh, mm. obviously Beat Bobby kept his fucking that and his glasses somehow still fit him. Don't question that. <laughs> but still, I, I really like the, the CGI and they were spot on, just like the turtles. Mm. They got that like fatness perfect. Yeah, when he's uh, when he's slapping his yeah. <laughs> When he's like, do I look fat? He's like, oh man, no. You're really fat. And he's like, playing around. Because obviously, they're basically fucking like, they're like they're the banter twins. I mean, like the ones always, they're like laughing at each other and yeah. making jokes. They don't care. Like, none of them really get hurt by what they, what they say. More of, he just goes off them. So they don't give a shit what, basically the fact that now they can't do anything with any girl. Because they're like animals now. <laughs> yeah. Don't even care about that. Because ha ha funny fat. <laughs> <laughs> and fart jokes. Don't forget fart jokes. Oh yeah. Loads of fart There's jokes. lots of fart jokes. Especially the Big Bang. Mm. When he throws the fart in his face. <laughs> no. Why not? Go, yeah. go throw a few fart jokes in here and there. Mm. I, gotta, I gotta keep the kids interested in jokes. Uh, I mean honestly though. If like. It would be cool if, like, if it was not as kiddie, it was a lot, a lot more darker and had swearing in it. Them two would probably be swearing fucking every five seconds. Probably, yeah. Because, like, they're supposed to be, like, henchmen. Yeah. So, that's what they would do. But they're more, like, they say, but, because it's supposed to be a kid's film. Yeah, 12A. Or 12, mm. when it's on DVD and shit. But yeah, obviously, <laughs> this version as well obviously introduced us to obviously a new Shredder. It's the same Shredder, but he's a lot younger this time. I'm assuming that's mm. because of the ooze at the end of the last one, even though it's never really explained. That's obviously what mm. one annoyance says. Obviously, that's not really explained how he's gone from this really old uh, motherfucker to this like, really young guy who gets thrown out of a window by Wolverine in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, yeah, obviously, we... I did like the approach that went with this one because obviously. The, it made sense not bringing back that big motherfucking outfit for the fact that he's not hugely involved so it'd be a bit stupid just bringing back the outfit just for that one sequence when he just gets frozen but I like the the new sort of sleeker sort of design the more like realistic classic. yeah mm. classic more realistic design and I think like he, like he just stole from Iron Man it's more like he got it from S.H.I.E.L.D. It's, the, it's, 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 it's basically he's gone from this big budget armor to basically the budget of the old uh, movies. That is the sort of more back to basics type approach, like as uh, the original animation. Whereas uh, the, the obviously the big lean motherfucker is more like a much like advanced version of the one from the obviously one we grew up with the early two thousand one. Because obviously he was a big mm. motherfucker, wasn't he in there? He was really big in that. Yeah. Room. There was basic armor like this. He was still a lot massive, like the armor from the first one. Whereas this, he's more like shortened and sleeker and more essentially ninja-like at times. I'd mm. say, even though you know he gets instantly frozen. <laughs> yeah, that that was a bit confusing. You know, it's like 
Let's bring back this villain again. Oh no, he's apparently not as good as he was in the first film. It's like like the joke of um oh when you like when you beat the boss like it's powerful and it's hard to defeat but when you when you get them as a playable character the weaker shit. Basically, yeah, but I, I think it's more the fact that um obviously even in the cartoons the old ones the Krang was always the head honcho Shredder was always essentially. Like Bebop and Rocksteady, he was a minion. So literally the order was Krang, Shredder, and then Bebop and Rocksteady obviously joint. It was literally that order. Krang was always the top dog, which obviously makes sense why he was able to easily beat Shredder. But I'm assuming that was there as well to set up the third film, maybe. I'm assuming Krang would have come back or obviously maybe like Shredder broke out or something. And maybe even he teamed up with the Turtles to fight him. But obviously we're never going to know because the third movie got canned and they did like a CGI animation instead. Mm. I didn't remember that. Though. About Seth Rogen's producing, apparently. Oh god! Apparently, it's like uh, they were, everyone was waiting. And they're like, are they going to announce like a third one yet? Because obviously they were like, oh, we might make a third one. And it's like, oh yeah, we're just going to reboot it, like a animation sort of situation. And Seth mm. Rogen's like a producer or executive producer, you know, one of those sort of ones behind it. So yeah. Oh, but that sounds <laughs> like it's going to be amazing. You never know. Seth, uh, Seth Rogen might nail the comedy because he's usually funny. Mm. But he, usually being the operative word there. Well, he was good in like a, uh, This Is The End and Pineapple Express. There's been a few mm-hmm. other things that I've liked him in as well. You know, such as Party. He brings that level of uh, enthusiasm to Turtles. We're going to be fighting. <laughs> Oh god, it's going to turn uh, into that Teenage Mutant Turtles porn parody, isn't it? Oh god! Well, that's kind of like interested then. Oh yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That that, that would probably draw him in even more. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, as well as obviously shredding this, I so, uh, we got Krang for the first time. Essentially, as uh, fucking Michelangelo put him as basically a chewed up piece of bubblegum with face, which is yeah. pretty much what he is. I mean, he was a lot. Uh, I, th- I think it's probably at the same sort of level as Shredder in terms of like uh, challenge for the turtles. So he had obviously all the you know the cannons and whatnot. His arms were breaking off, but he was summoning more stuff. They pretty much dealt with him the exact same sort of way as they did before. But what I like with this one heading into that fight, uh, obviously they got into that big fight, didn't they? And there's like he's pretty much like right, yeah, we're near enough done. This is it. We're not we're not mm. a team anymore. And I like the fact that they had that was stood on their minds during this fight, which is obviously why they were easy so beaten a lot. But then they realised at the end of the day they are brothers, they are a unit, they need to work together. So I like that aspect of the final fight. Rather than obviously last time I just went into it as like yeah, it's just kick Shredder's ass. We're, 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 we're all cool, we're all cool with each other. Let's do this, but it's nice for them going into that with that the mindset of I hate all of you situation. Yeah, pretty much. The whole, like, them fighting, obviously because of the whole, that some want to be human, whereas some don't. It's like, it's, I mean... Yeah, because it's, uh, obviously, Donnie was on the one he wanted to... Then again, all three of them were considering humanity, apart from Leo. Yeah. He's the only one who wasn't. He's on like, yeah, no, don't tell anyone. And that's obviously what essentially broke them all up. Hmm. I do think, though, that it kind of, like, happened a bit quick. The whole, like, him saying, don't tell anyone, then Mikey hears. But then it's, like, all of a sudden, they go straight into the conflict. I thought it would have called, might be cool if it was, like, it simmered a bit. I feel like it's the fact that it's Raph. Mm. Raph would never let it simmer. Literally, if someone said that to Raph, he'd literally go up and just beat the crap out of him until the mm. anything happened. So I feel like it makes sense how quick it happened. Essentially. Because I say Raph's a hothead, he just wouldn't give a shit. If someone was fucking around, he'd put him in their place. That's what I mean. I think it would be cool if Mikey like didn't say Tell it straight him. away. Like he held That's it back. I mean. like, yeah, like he didn't know what to do, and like he didn't. You know, he like he was battling between telling Raph or causing any like chaos between them all. That'd be interesting. Because so, mm, he was like more of like oh, I heard this, so I'm going to go tell Raph because knowing that far well. Raph is going to go mad and basically try and beat up Leo again. And again and again. Like he did in the uh, yeah, so. animated uh, film. 
The, mm-hmm. the, the T- TMNT, was it? The anima- that CGI yeah. animation one where he basically beat the crap out of him to do his not dead. Mm. Good film that was. But yeah, be- better that, than this. That one was like, <laughs> yeah. that one was like a, a lot more darker than... Yeah, that was, that was the, the aspect of the first film, essentially. It had mm. that dark, very much dark tone to it. That and monsters. Lots of monsters. Oh, God, yes. And also the uh, fucking uh, Chris Evans as uh, Casey. <laughs> and Sarah Michelle Gellar as April. I mean, and Patrick Stewart as the bad guy. Why not? It had everyone yeah. that film, did. Everyone. All the, all the greats. <laughs> Heck, even fucking Nolan North was in there. Fucking Nathan Drake himself. He voiced Raph in that film. Mm. It had everyone in. God, I, f- I want to watch that film again. That was such a good film. Oh, wait, we're back on this one. Shit. Oh, God. I mean, it's like, as we say, this is the average one. Yeah. The plot's very basic. It's never like... run the mill as the first one, but without the aspect yeah. of them being hid, like, fully hidden from everyone. But the fact that people are pretty much finding out, the cops find out, Casey finds out, uh, everyone's basically finding out these exist, apart from obviously civilians, because, you know, no one gives a shit about civilians. No. And of course, I think that probably brings us to our next point of why we are. Well, this one isn't as good as the first. Is the vo- the voice that they get Steve Armell to do for KC? His, his normal voice. It's basically like it's pretty much like a very soft version than what you'd have thought it'd be. Like we, we were expecting KC, like. You're going to get Stephen Armel who plays Arrow. Yeah, because this... Their version of Batman. Yeah, because this was like at his peak when he was like... Yeah. Big, big, really big because of Arrow. Because obviously Arrow really put him on... Obviously, mm. show to everyone. Because though he'd done a few things beforehand. Heck, I saw him in like a really old film called uh, Screamers. I can't remember the last... Second mm. part of the film. But it basically a sci-fi film. And I remember seeing him in that. And I was like... When I watched Arrow, I was like... Wait, that guy looks familiar. And this is obviously that was brought him onto the map for him to get this sort of vigilante role, even though he's not really a vigilante in this. The idea is he's, he's trying, like, they're, they're trying to set him up like he's a vigilante, but it's more of he's still a police, he's just a police officer who, oh no, I've weirdly describing the events in a very, like, <laughs> as if a kid, as if a kid is actually giving them. It was so cool. They were shooting like uh, manhole covers from the cars. <laughs> He's going, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you don't sound like a police officer. Yeah, I feel like that was literally, like that was literally, teenager. I feel like that was literally there from the, the guy. Yeah, you're fired for a little while. Just, uh, you know, you've gone a bit, you've, you've sniffed a few of the bags of Nicolas Cage cocaine. Get out of here. <laughs> I think the only hint we had of like, that vigilante like feeling. smoke. I think it's when um you know when he that bit and also when he was um interrogating uh, the the uh vulture. Oh from, yeah. Uh, that, that was quite like if he used his like his arrow voice then that would have been so intense I think. I think because I, it was so like, I think you had the the best uh point of it when we was watching it. Uh, but it, we didn't mind if he kept the normal voice when he's normally speaking, but it was when you obviously said if he had the mask on and if he spoke much different with the mask on, that would have been really well done. Yeah. Like he had his normal yeah. civilian voice, but then he just did the whole Batman situation of the mask is on. He has to deepen the voice. Yeah. But I think it would have worked even like in that scene because like the whole point of him like switching off from being a cop to being basically a vigilante. So that like trying to intimidate kind of like would have worked I think no it would have been even more funny with that scene if he went in as a cop and the guy was like no I'm not telling you anything and he walked he goes okay and then walks off and he comes back in with a mask on and, and his yeah. hockey stick bursts the door and goes knock knock motherfucker and he throws his like, stick at the guy you have failed this New York city <laughs> oh cool but yeah I, I think he's I think he plays the version they're going for right that is obviously the version they're going for is just essentially a cop situation i think he he plays that well it's just the aspect of that's not the casey we want i want the vigilante casey i want the long-haired hockey mask doesn't uh, uh take any crap always arguing with raf always competing with raf 
that sort of version. I want that version, not this cop version that they make up for this movie. It just doesn't work for me. It works for the movie in the plot they're going with, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's like they had the the right the right actor for it. It's just like they wrote made him, him wrote him, they, yeah they wrote him wrong and made him do stuff wrong, which doesn't really fit. Like how they've done the character doesn't fit. It's, he did good with what he's got. Yeah, basically. Like, we know, like, he can play that dark, serious kind of character. We know he can work with the long hair, because obviously there was a whole... Yeah, the island exactly. Situation. He had long hair and that. He can work it. It's just... They did it wrong. See, I think what would have been cool mm. as well is if... if it... If he originally started, not in the film, obviously, but in the past, he was a vigilante back in the day. And then he went to the police force because he realized that what he was doing, he needed, like, maybe for, oh, being a cop would uh, work better help me basically do stuff and whatnot. And then, like, when uh, they kick him out of the cops because what's happening, he, like, went back to, like, a, a wardrobe or something and opened, like, a trunk. And inside the trunk was his, outfit, like, his old school outfit, his old case. Yeah, like, cool. the. the even if they didn't just go with a tank top like he's normally wears, like if they obviously like an updated rendition of the Casey look, like his mask, because that looks really cool. I like the, the the more grittier look of the mask, the, the dirt all over him. What they look really cool, but it would have been cool then if he turned up like that's what basically went. You know what? Fuck the cops. I'm going back to the old life. I'm doing this the old ways. Basically, that like would work. Well, it's just like oh, I'm a happy cop. Oh no, I let some people go. Two people like managed to escape me and Shredder. So why don't I just like get this mask that I have lying around for no reason whatsoever? Like it seems very like oh I'm fired. Guess I'm a vigilante now. And so because I know obviously he's explained that he plays hockey on weekends, but a bit weird that he keeps it in his trunk all the time. Yeah. That does. Sorry, really sorry, work. sorry. Boot car boot. We're not, we're not American. No, God, no. Sorry. My bad. Really work. Is it's it, just, it's like, just so random. Is that, just... mm. no, I like the reveal of it in there. It was quite a cool reveal, like him like hearing her scream and then he looks then that moves something. It's there. It reminded me sort of of uh, Jason in the Friday Thirteenth uh, remake, and that uh, mm. with that guy uh, when he kills that guy and he like pulls like a cloth aside and the mask is there in that one like single shot of the mask. It reminded me of that, which makes sense with the fact that it's both platinum dunes, but. It just it's just weird that it's always in the back of his car. <laughs> Do you think he's gonna be yeah, hockey in every fucking five minutes? Mm. Like if if he had it with him, then that that makes it seem like oh he's a vigilante anyways. He just uses the police as a cover, but it's not that. You know what I mean? It's, he's just a police officer who, who basically got fired and he's now like okay now so I'm gonna try and stop crime with my hockey stick. I mean, like, if if it showed, like, in the past, he had that training, he knows how to do it, and he basically gave up that life, it makes would have made more sense. Well, either gave up the life, or, as you just put it, just, um, he could have still been a vigilante and a cop at the same time. Like, it, it, it could, could have been double that. life. Like, it was a whole aspect of... They obviously then I was like they just had to explain it slightly. They didn't have to like go into full detail. They just need to explain the fact that like, him just like saying to April or something like, you know, I just used the the police force as a basically essentially as a disguise. And she'd be like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Oh, uh, basically to get the job I wanted to get done. Basically, find the details about all these criminals and whatnot. I joined the police force, you know, just for lols, just to get the information. But in reality, mm. is when I'm d- done my shift, masks on, stick out." Beat the crap out of everyone, you know. Hard ass Casey mm. Jones that we know and love. Maybe as well. Maybe there was a corruption in the police place force that would have been cool. Like if it turned out the one that fired him, like the whole point is that like, she was working for Shadow or something. That would have been cool. And the whole reason for why that they're, they're hunting the turtles is because of that. Then it would make sense. For, like he, he was part, joined the police to like sort out the corruption or something. That would have been interesting. But it's it seemed obviously the whole point they want the whole thing to be quite childish. Yeah, they couldn't really go for the dark themes. So that's why probably why Casey's not that dark either. Why he's more happy go friendly. So basically, what you're saying and, is, if they yeah. brought him out in the last film, it would have been okay. Yeah, basically, if he was introduced in the last film at some point, maybe 
we see a glimpse of him or something. Maybe. Sadly, he didn't get introduced in that film. No. He got introduced in the nostalgic attempt. Which, yeah. essentially, it did what... Um, obviously, the first one, if it went... There's, I think nostalgia into it with the darkness. I feel like it would have been like a sort of... Uh, Force Awakens worked, but this one's yeah. more of a Rise of Skywalker. Not worked as much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the the, yeah. the difference there. It's just, you know... See, I, I do like some of the... Obviously, the action sequences. I like the... the um, when they're bringing the truck. Uh, they got uh, the... Bin Laurie, because we're English. Uh, I like that whole thing because obviously as I said to you it's like the first fucking car they had in the last one was basically like from Wish.com but the second one's like an actual one that's been brought from proper place but I, I like the whole like all the things inside because obviously they've got the fucking nu- whole nunchucks for Mikey on the side which he breaks instantly they've got the whole katana like uh, boomerang essentially for Leo um, they've got the fucking net on top and they've got a back door that fucking Raph can just jump out in slow motion and just like shoulder tackle people <laughs> Mm. I, I do like that whole bit. Obviously, as you say, the only annoyance of that is a whole uh, case like narrating, like, oh, why are we coming down this uh, high, uh, basically this road with basically no shotgun shells in the shotgun, it's in the bag. Why do you... That whole narration was a bit yeah. annoying. But, I mean, all the turtle stuff in that scene was cool. And the whole, mm. you know, getting chased down, that, that bit was fine. It was just the, the inside the cop car until yeah. uh, b Bebop and Rockstar got out because you know he goes. I like that bit when he's like, "My name is Bebop," and just like kicks him. And then that whole creepy scene with um, Rockstar and he pops his head for the door. He's like, "Hi," that was quite funny. Mm. But over, uh, obviously, the only downfall is literally the two cops in the scene. That's it. Everything else about the scene yeah. is perfectly fine. You got the fucking the Ghost Rider blue flames for no other reason. Mm. Like, like, as I was saying, we're watching the film. Like, there's a matter of head, like, if, that the fact that you're pointing out that it makes no sense why the shotgun shells are in the back of the truck next to the criminals. No, they're, they're on the floor. They're on the floor by them. They weren't in the back. No, you said it's in the back. Yeah, oh, behind them. Just behind them. It's not locked away because obviously when he goes into the back of the car, uh, the truck, he has the shotgun already loaded. It's like... It's organic. It's like... It, basically, it's just behind them, essentially, in the bag, just like in between them. Like, just... So obviously, there's a bit of gap between them and the door. It's like I'm assuming it's like there. Like he said, he said it, that it's in the back. Like, why is it in the back? That makes no sense. No, it was, I, mean, I think he said in the bag. He didn't say back. That's what I said. Because he, he, he opened the bag up and started again at the bag. Mm, either that, or he just they wrote it wrong and then was like ah fuck it. If he said bag or back, but when he said back, I don't think he meant in the back with them. I think he meant be just behind the seats. If he meant either way, keep his scene and point out doesn't excuse it. Basically, mm-hmm. but uh, I a bit uh, the the plane scene. I like that when obviously they had jumped from the plane to the other plane below them, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Raph's just like, "What would Vin Diesel do?" <laughs> because you know, gotta get Vin Diesel reference in there somewhere. And then, you know, he jumps off the plane, hits the, hits, uh, the plane as if he was a bird, tongue hanging hey. out, waving at them. Got to get the window wipers on to get rid of him. <laughs> but uh, I, I like when they're inside, and they're obviously the first, like, meet Bebop and Rocksteady, and they have to fight them. Because I like the bit when uh, it shows how dumb they are, and Rocksteady's on top of the fucking uh, the tank, is using the fucking turret. And even Bebop's oh. like, dude, really? And he's like, yep, I went a bit too far there. I think he did, she like cut half the plane up. The fucking cop picks him in pieces, uh, there's holes everywhere, your head's now through the fucking roof. <laughs> well, I like that whole thing, because obviously it leads to the, the fight when they're in the water. Because you never obviously got to see, I'm really swimming the first one. So it's nice, to, that's quite cool, that whole when Leo's underwater swimming, that's like a really cool scene. And obviously then you get the fucking really overused slow-mo of uh, Raph saving Donatello, who's getting shot with a tank. Overused is probably the also another way to describe some of the shots in this fucking film. <laughs> My god, the slow motion is like it's pretty much Michael Bay, Bay jerking it to slow motion. <laughs> well, to be fair over though, he was probably like uh, messing with like the controls fit to go slow motion when he was jerking at the time, and uh, he forgot he forgot his fingers were still on the like, uh, holding them down to go further up and further up. And uh, by the time he came, he was like, "Oh shit, hundred percent, fuck it, I do." Yeah, oh no, I've got it on my legs. <laughs> speaking, speaking of jerking it, let's talk about that scene. 
Uh, you mean the, the, uh, this, like, the first moment you meet April when she's trying to be smart as a yeah. blonde and she's like, okay, I need to go after this, this courier. So, you know, what should I do? There's a skirt there. There's some scandalously dressed women over there. You know what? I'm going to do a dress-up montage of some music. Oh. Put my shirt... Yeah, did the Britney Spears shirt thing. Somehow get rid of your trousers instantly. Got a skirt on. You know, act all slutty, essentially. Yeah. And then, you know, do the smart thing and steal the guy's fucking details. Pure Michael Bay. (laughs) It was so overly sexualized. Like, there was no point for it, really. But they're like, nah, I'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, let's just make a... I was going to say, to be fair, she she could have, like... Because she hadn't, because if you notice, when obviously when she started doing the the, the time thing, uh, it didn't take long. So clearly, she just needed to get somewhere near him. Like maybe uh, uh, she could have tricked anything, anyone to do anything. But no, she had to just like oversexualize herself. That's definitely something that April would not do. Almost like that was one of the things Marco is like. Yeah, we have to have him. <laughs> we, had, we had the R shot in the first time. We got <laughs> we had the R shot in the first, and we got to have the. Uh, Booby shot in this one. Yes, we do. God's sake. <laughs> oh. Michael, Michael fucking Bay. <laughs> oh, God. See, I, I did like, obviously, they, they did bring a lot of other characters from the show, obviously, because they say Big Bot Rocks, Daddy, Crank, and then um, fucking Dr. Stockman. Uh, back to, back, Dr. Baxter Stockman. Obviously, he's a big part of not just like the OG series when he becomes a fly. Which is obviously what was setting up with the third one, which never happened. But obviously, he was a big part of the one we grew up with because he did the Mouser plot, didn't he? He's the one who built the Mouser robots. That was like weird, like dog looking thing, whatever the fucking metal dog rat eating things. He's obviously a big part of that. So it's nice to see him brought into there. But obviously, with the whole mm-hmm. Tyler Perry aspect, that was clearly aimed just to get him more of a comical character, like the sort of OG one, not the bit uh grittier version that he was in the one we grew up with mm. so clearly he chose obviously tyler perry to make him the comedic one and i think some of his obviously moments land but obviously with most comedy sometimes it, it's like doesn't land I, I like the whole um the interview when he obviously he's talking to megan fox early on and uh, she's trying to nerd out to him, and he's like, oh, he's like getting really into it. And she's like, "Ah, oh, I gotta take this to my boyfriend." He's like, "Oh, you got a boyfriend?" Oh, <laughs> that, that was quite funny. But obviously, uh, it's eventually his laughter gets. It's just like really irritating. Yeah, it's not. It's not like a proper laugh. It's like a really forced laugh, and it kind of gets oh, irritating. Nerd laugh. Probably, yeah, probably all nerdy, but it's a bit. It's kind of. It, it just. It just. At the start, fair enough. It. it it's. It's not too bad. It's like, yeah, you know, okay, it's not too bad. It's just a laugh at the end of the day. And then as it like, does it every single time you laugh, you're like, okay, no, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of not liking this anymore. Please stop laughing. And then he gets dragged away. Laughing. It gets dragged away by Shredder. And you're like, finally, you're not going to hear him laugh again. Hong Kong? Oh, you're going to turn into a fly, are you? Ah, oh, I love that plot line. Oh, you're not going to happen now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, if you treat Jeff Goldblum, he does it. Exactly, they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna gold bloom him. Ah, oh. <sighs> he can't compete with Goldblum. Yeah, he can't compete there. Imagine if it's that brutal though, just like that. Oh, Ugh. I'm, I'm scratching just thinking about it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was another thing I wanted to mention as well, because obviously, sometimes when you watch films, obviously like sequels, they're trying to up the ante with the score, but I feel like they went for the exact same type of score as the first one. In terms of music. Obviously, they added a few extra songs like Elvis' Last Conversation. They added a few things like that. But, I mean, in terms of, obviously, the sort of background music, a lot of it was very similar to the first one. So, it's not, it's not obviously, not a bad score. It's just, obviously, they just recycled, essentially. Yeah, true. I mean, at least we had, we had a bit of laugh when the Tom Jones came on. Oh, yeah. And they're singing it, Bebop and Rocksteady. And he's like, what? What is it good for? That, that was quite good. I did like that. Good scene. It's basically it's to show that they're not your average villains. They're like the comical comic relief henchmen. Basically, as you put it best at the start, Chuckle Brothers. Yeah, they're the Chuckle Brothers, but animals. Yeah. Obviously, the the big point out for the fact of uh, nostalgia is obviously the, the use of the an updated rendition of the, the song, the intro song at the end. 
Mm. That was obviously the big point of the fact that, yeah, this movie's clearly trying to be nostalgic. And though some things are hitting, it's not all hitting. And the use of a song is definitely aimed at being nostalgic. And on top of that, they've merged the normal song with um, the Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go from the second movie of the original trilogy. It's clearly meant to be a nostalgic approach. It fully like, submits that this film is meant mm. to be more nostalgic than the first one. Just been a gritty film based on Turtles. So that sort of that cements mm. it. It was still quite. It's still kind of fun to watch. It's just. Like, it's not. Of, a, yeah. It, for me, it's just not as good as the first one for me. Mm, like, if you had a choice, watch this one or the first one, you'd pick the first one. Yeah. 100%. Mm. Uh, as I was to mention. Obviously, I, I like the aspect as well that uh, at the end, that more people know about them. The whole, the whole mm. police force know about them. They've like, got the keys to the city. I think that was quite an interesting way to end a film. So obviously it's very rare, like civilians, like anyone really, apart from obviously a select few of individuals, know about their existence. So it's mm. interesting that the cops know. So I would be very, would have been very much interested to see how they would have approached that in the sequel. Like, are they going to like cops if something bad's happened? Let's call the turtles. All right, yeah, can you come and deal with this? And they get the whole turtle phone they had in the, the shows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a this. Abandoned mm. factory. There's a, a giant, um, I don't know, tiger monster. It was like a weird dog, tiger, lion creature. I don't know what he was. That was in the newer one, of the newer cartoons. That got oh. yeah, yeah. That got yeah. Good deal with him. Oh, you you got you got an, you got a robot that's helping you now. It also looks like a turtle. Ah, oh, that's so nostalgic. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> that would have been interesting oh. to see. Hmm. Oh. I guess it, it kind of like comes first full circle. Like it starts off with it, it's, it's um, comic relief from the first film ends up like he starts off as like he's the hero, the one who saved the even though he technically didn't. didn't like, he took the um, he basically he's the one who like he took the all of the glory and stuff. Yeah. Like I'm responsible for defeating Shredder. Blah blah blah. Uh, call me the Falcon, how cool I am. Yeah, he's, so that, he's, doing, he's doing the uh, fucking um, Baldurfine, but with the bags instead. Yeah, selling his, bre- his air. <laughs> and then, of course, it switched. At the end of the film, it's he's like saying, it wasn't really me. I had help from my friends, blah, blah, blah. He was the one to defeat Shredder. And it's them getting the credit instead. So I guess it just come full, like it's come full circle, at least. Yeah, basically. That's the only pretty good thing you could say, really, about this duology is it comes full circle. It's not. It's been left open for sequels, but it's it's left at a point where you could literally have it as the ending and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, a bit like the first yeah. one. It, it, you obviously can get, maybe you get a sequel from the point when Shredder grabbed the ooze, but as you said, it could be just like a last gasp of life before he dies. So obviously it ended mm-hmm. like they could have not done a sequel. It could have been that's it. And same with this, it's ended like there could be a sequel. But it could also just be this and that's it, which obviously is what it is since this one didn't do as well as the first one. So it just it didn't pick off. I said to you, it's probably maybe it's because it came out at the wrong time because the first one came out in like an October time, but this one was like a May when there's other films out, like uh, the War- Warcraft finally coming out and stuff like that. So that's probably that didn't help it. I went to watch it in cinema. I'm going to say that I went to watch both of them, but obviously not a lot of other people did. I think it, I think it only made like around two hundred million, something like that. So not as much as the four hundred odd million the first one made, which is obviously why they went. Yeah, go. It's done. We're done. <laughs> yeah, and also I think it's because they picked the wrong theme as well. Like, yeah, nostalgia can be useful, but you have to work people, it right. Uh, yeah, like, you have to work the shaft work. right. Because they basically saw the first film, so they went into this one thinking it'd be the same kind of like tone, yeah, same kind of theme. It's completely different, and it does give you a whiplash. Like, what the fuck? It's like it's gone from being DC to Dark World. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Best way to sum it up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Dark World's my go-to Marvel film, but it's shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's pick a favorite moment from this movie. Uh-huh. Um, credits. <laughs> it was quite fun, yeah. Um, I was just trying to. I forgot to write it down. Um, 
I wait, so I went to myself. I'm gonna write one down. Uh, I was like, okay, what am I gonna do then? And I kind of just had a blank, and I'm trying to think now. Um, uh, <laughs> does that sum up this movie? If I can't think of a favourite moment, I think it does a little bit. Yeah. Um. Uh, I think. If fuck it, raffle and let the airplane was quite funny. Mm. And he's and the whole the the pilots looking at him was like, um, what the fuck is that on my window screen? That's mm-hmm. one damn ugly ass bird. Yeah, I'll give it to that. Was, that was quite funny. I can't, I can't. I think really picking yeah. a moment. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm trying to think. Like a lot of the things were like mediocre. A lot of the things weren't like the best. A lot of them were just like, eh, it was kind of cool, but. It's also overshadowed by how shit that was and how bad that is. So it's it's very hard to pick a perfect moment, I think, for, for this film specifically. If I have to, like, push it, I would probably say... Um... I <laughs> can't really think of one, don't you? Like, when there's a, like you think you could think, think of something, but... It felt like... Most of the film just like glazed over. Yeah. Probably say the start bit when doing the um the credits, it's like slow motion whenever like they appear it shows Oh yeah, the, oh, the Suicide Squad's like, club intro. Yeah, just yeah. kind of intro and it goes to them in, in the basketball place yeah. and I liked when they introduced Falcon again. Yeah. That was probably the best bit. Oh my god. That took a while to get us there. Yeah, because it was a very hard film to Yeah, to pick happened. like pick like a very key moment that you like that was really good. Uh like the problem with mediocre films is like ones that like are really yeah. bad, you remember all the bad stuff. So you, so, you know, so then you know like a moment that was good to like, try those bad moments. Yeah. But with mediocre ones, it's like there's no true good ones and no true bad ones it's yeah. just like bland it's basically the equivalent of vanilla ice cream hmm. mm. okay let's rate it uh, you've got my opinion so 6 out of 10 is probably the best I can go with it's a it's a, a average to slightly above average movie it's nowhere near the quality of the first one the nostalgia hits and misses simple as alright well me, it's quite a very generic, mediocre, average film. There's only one kind of rating specifically. Say that out loud. That's got to be a five out of ten. Half. You know, it's not bad, not good. It's just average, mediocre, and you know, it's it's basically the really sort of crisps of film just plain yeah there's some cool cgi but there's also cool cgi in the first one wow you're gonna pick between those two you go for the first we we wonder woman did the second wonder woman we did the same rating oh my god (laughs) because our two ratings combined gives teenage ninja turtles out of the shadows a chess game overall rating of 5.5 wow wow (laughs) again (laughs) Again. <laughs> wow. Wow. And Wilson in or something. <laughs> no, he's too busy playing with Loki. Ah. Okay. Do, do you trust me to give the, the chat a cave MVP here? Because I've got a good idea with it. Um, okay, if, got... you say that, if you say the MVP is uh, Megan Fox and putting up with Michael Bay shit, then sure. No, the... <laughs> For the first God. time ever, it doesn't go just to one person. Because this person doesn't work without the other person. Uh-huh. So it's a oh, joint giving here. So the Chatscape MVP award goes to both Bebop and Rocksteady. Obviously played by Gary Anthony Williams and Stephen Farley. Uh, or Seamus, if you're a WB fan. Um, because they don't work without each other. They both bounce off each other really well. Mm. So I, I literally was like, okay, if we're going to give an award, if we give it, I can't just give it to one of them. Because I really like Bebop's humour. It doesn't always work without Rocksteady being there to like to the whole uh, mm. fat fat jokes. Obviously, wobbling his belly. 
or you know blown a fight in his face it doesn't work without them both being present so it's like okay I can't just give it to one I have to give it to both if that's the case mm, it's basically they're like, like we say they are the comic like comedic duo Carl Bomb of the Chuckleberry the Anton Deck yeah they come as a package basically as two characters yeah you can't just replace one with Holly Willoughby and uh, expect us to n- not notice <laughs> Yeah, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for runner-up, I, I think I'm just gonna give it to Michelangelo again for the second week running, just for that one scene when he's a, uh, he's got the fucking the sort of like the family sort of fortune type music over the top of it. And he's in the alleyway and he's explaining who each of them are. You go, Leonardo, he's you know he's the brain, he's like the, the leader of the group. You got Denton over there, racking those brain, like that sort of situation. That was quite mm. funny. So I just thought, you yeah. know, there's no no one really else that stood out this time. Raph didn't stand out as much as he did last time. I, yeah. I, for some reason, in my head, I remember Donnie standing out a bit more, but it's, he didn't in the film. Yeah, it's more of like, it seemed like he was like the one who had the most close relationship with um, April. Yeah. Like, okay. The one that was, they both talked more often. Yeah. It was, it seemed less like Donnie was fancying them or like they were just friends. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, as Hayden jokingly did last time, I thought we'd bring it back for every Michael Bay related movie we do. So uh, we're going to be doing a Michael Bay award each time, which <laughs> it can go to any sort of scene. It can be uh, slow motion uh, present, it can be explosion present, it can be anything Megan Fox related. Anything that screams pure Michael Bay. And there is two scenes in this movie, and I was going to, because I, I chose the, the joint MVP, I'm going to allow Hayden to pick. Because she knows which two we were on about yesterday. I'm going to let her to pick which one the Michael Bay Award goes to this time. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this is obviously Megan, the Megan Fox scene is the, the, like, the big one. That's the, the, the most obvious Michael Bay. Like, <laughs> Megan Fox, do this sexy thing. <laughs> then, of course, there's the, uh, the tank scene where basically yeah. every five seconds it was slow motion. Literally, they kept bombarding in slow motion. It was another pinnacle Michael Bay moment, but it's definitely got to go to Megan Fox scenes because I think it had the works, it had the slow motion, it had over sexualized Megan Fox. You know, what I mean, and I imagine like if he had a little bit more control, there would have been a few explosions just popping off in the background. <laughs> Oh, the, the probably is we just can't see him. Probably, and they're, they're in people's pants. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that one's got to be the Michael Bay Award. Good choice, very good choice. There. Um, okay, so my question of the day: uh, Would you like to have seen obviously the fir- a third movie in this trilogy? Obviously, make obviously make it a trilogy if they went back to the sort of aspect of the first movie, like kept the characters from this like, second one, like the uh, obviously Bebop, Rocksteady, Casey Jones, the, this version of Shredder and whatnot. But obviously, they went back to the dark aspects of the first one, uh, essentially ignoring a lot of the aspects of the second one, like keeping some things in mind, but not putting full focus on things from in that one. Like what some uh, films uh, have been known today, they're a bit like a uh, full Ragnarok. Essentially, it, though, followed on from uh, Dark World. It sort of it only really focused on the aspect of uh, Loki taking the throne for like one scene. That was it. It didn't really. Yeah. It pretty much ignored a lot of the other aspects. So this one essentially would. Include obviously the Casey storyline, maybe like fix it, but also just like the whole ending with the Krang and Shredder and whatnot. It would probably recognize that, but everything else you just like ignore completely. Would you be interested in that? Yes, I think I would. Like, I would like the idea of it going to be back to back and dark again. Maybe like they could fix Casey by making him back, like making him a lot more darker. His hair grown as well. Could, yeah, they could do the whole thing of that. The second film was his first taste into being a vigilante. And then he goes more heavily into it and, like, he goes out with them to fight crime. That would be quite cool. So, yeah, I think I would. You know, I'd give it a try. If it was shit as well, then I'd be like, yep, there's no hope for Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it might be, like, in between, like, the first and second one. It might not be the same like, uh, like feel as the mm. first one, but I feel like it would definitely probably improve on this one. Yeah, it might it might be. Heck, it could have been a Ragnarok. Yeah. 
It could have been yeah. a Ragnarok and like vastly improved on both of them. Mm. You never know. We all enjoyed the first four film. We all fucking loved it, 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 and say four, the first four was a decent introductory level into the world of four. Dark World shat on it, and then Ragnarok just beat on both to death. Yeah, I mean, it literally it was like, hey, see the whole like all, both these two films they had Asgard in it. Let's fucking blow it up. Basically, it's pretty much just like going, yeah, that's the old chapter of four. Let's try and go new way and let's make him basically. Like, go for all the pain. His pain to make him a more better hero. Basically, yeah. Was, yeah. So I think if they'd gone back to like the third, the original feeling for the first film, it probably would have been good. Because it's still funny. The first film was still funny. It's just that had that darker aspect. So yeah. they left funny for um, the Falcon guy and Mikey. The rest didn't really need the funny, you know. Exactly. Whereas this one, it, it was kind of like the theatrical Justice League. It seemed all of them was pretty much cracking jokes. It was like, uh, didn't really work. Essentially, yes. Uh, okay, uh, so that's it for the Checkout Podcast this week. Uh, join us next week as we you know, take a little break from the Michael Bayverse to take a look at a film that probably inspired the Michael Bayverse, which is Transformers the movie. You know, the animated one from the the eighties. That one. Whoa, that's a good film that was. Hayley's never seen it. I'm interested to see her opinion, especially after what I've told her. Uh mm-hmm. it may have Connor on, it may not. Because I'm not gonna like, put pressure on that. Uh but I'm very much looking forward to that because obviously other than Nightmare Before Christmas, which was a stop frame uh animation, this is our first full on animated podcast. Like, review wise. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna be interesting. Um yeah. Uh, I've been your host, Ranking Thomas Shoes. And I have been hired by Michael Bay again because I said sorry for my Nazi and now I'm getting a new movie. Yeah, it's going to be, basically, we're going to do Old Man Bob, but it's not going to be dark. It's going to be full of comedy and nostalgia and it's going to be a massive cash grab. And please help, he has my family uh, at gunpoint. Simon Kell says no. Please don't help. Michael Bay <laughs> got killed and finally kidnapped. And if I don't do this film, he'll shoot them. Please help. Just going just gonna to amuse her now. Uh, this has been a Chat Code podcast. And uh, obviously, the first movie, you know, he had that nostalgic Kaobunga line for Mikey because it was his like, iconic line. This mm. one did not have Casey Jones' iconic line. So I'll say it for us Gungala. Just add it in. You've added every other fucking nostalgic aspect. Add in the fucking one line that Casey yells every time he beats people's skulls in. Yeah, it's clobbering time. Wait a minute.